I'm Daniel Levine, and this is Rarecast. Sharon King, a rare disease advocate in North Carolina, saw an opportunity to accelerate the development of new therapies for patients while forging a leadership role for the state in the area of rare diseases. King, president of Taylor's Tale, this summer helped craft legislation that created an advisory council on rare diseases to provide guidance on research, diagnosis, treatment, and education. We spoke to King and Tara Britt, Associate Director of the newly created North Carolina Rare Disease Advisory Council, about the development of the legislation, how it seeks to leverage the strong academic and biotechnology assets already in the state, and whether it represents a model that can be replicated elsewhere. Sharon, thanks for joining us. Thank you for having me. We're going to talk about the legislation that you were instrumental in getting the state of North Carolina to pass legislation that established an advisory council on rare diseases. I'd like you to begin with your organization, Taylor's Tale, though, which is a rare disease advocacy group. Who is Taylor and how did you become involved in the world of rare diseases? Well, Taylor is my 17-year-old daughter. And just before her eighth birthday, she was diagnosed with a variant form of INCL, which is the infantile form of Batten disease. And it didn't take long for me to decide that I couldn't sit by and watch Batten disease happen to her. I had a fight on my hands, and it was about hope. So with family and friends, we founded Taylor's Tale to use Taylor's story to raise awareness and funds for Batten disease research. We did that for a while, but it didn't take long again for us to realize the importance of advocacy in accomplishing our goals. And so we expanded our mission to raise awareness and advocacy for anyone affected by rare disease. And this, of course, means all of us. Well, for listeners who may not be familiar with Batten disease, can, can you explain it a little how does it manifest itself? What's the progression and what's the prognosis? Sure. That disease is a neurodegenerative disorder that affects mostly children. There are multiple forms of the disease and the symptoms are similar, although they become apparent at different ages and they progress at uh, different rates. The disease begins with vision loss. That's exactly what happens with Taylor, we noticed that she was having problems with her night vision. Um, it can also, children will have, you'll, you'll see some clumsiness, um, personality and behavior changes, but these soon progress to worsening seizures, um, a loss of ability to walk, to talk, cognitive impairment, and all forms of Batten disease do result in an early death. And are there any available treatments? Well, currently, there are no known treatments that can stop or reverse the symptoms of Batten disease, but there's progress in the 
in the search for a treatment for Batten, and I am more hopeful than ever for future children like my daughter. Well, you played a key role in the creation and passage in North Carolina this summer of legislation that creates an advisory council on rare diseases to provide guidance. What were you seeking to do? Well, since Taylor's Tale was founded nine years ago, we've supported promising research, including a gene therapy study in the lab of Dr. Stephen Gray at the UNC Gene Therapy Center. And as we became more and more involved with the project at UNC, we realized that there were unique opportunities existing in North Carolina for innovation and progress in the rare disease space. Um, North Carolina has many assets, and they include excellent research universities and the Research Triangle Park with its strong biotechnology presence. So we knew it was time to convince our legislators that North Carolina has already made a significant investment in the infrastructure that's needed to move our state to a leadership position in rare disease. But we needed their help in encouraging in, in innovative ideas and entrepreneurship and bringing these sectors together to share resources and advance common goals. We knew we could do better in North Carolina and that we must do better because rare disease patients don't have time to wait. I'm wondering if you talk a little about process. How did you as a rare disease advocate convince the state to do this? Walk us through how you proposed it, built support within the rare disease community, and made the case to lawmakers. Well, first and foremost, we made the point, don't be misled by the word rare. No one's immune to the problems of rare disease, and we're all affected by rare disease in some way. And from a Taylor's Tale perspective, it's a public health issue. So if the 1 in 10 statistic holds true, there are about a million people in North Carolina living with rare disease. And then there's a treacle effect um, on families and others, and that's a huge issue. So while... We felt the human cost of living with a disease without a treatment is enormous and should be enough to spur new ideas forward. We also realized that moving these ideas forward could also have a significant effect on our healthcare system and our economy. So we proposed the North Carolina Advisory Council on Rare Diseases to help position our state as a, a leader in rare disease diagnosis, so research and development education and treatment. And we felt the council would advise policymakers that could help break down barriers for rare disease patients, that could advance research, that could lead to better treatment. And we also shared with them that, or reminded them that growing research and development in North Carolina could also lead to strong economic development opportunities. So, Essentially, we felt that accomplishing these goals could mean a big win for everyone involved, and we focused on that the whole way through. This is a win-win. This is a win-win, and it pushed us forward. Well, in doing this, what was the biggest challenge you faced in getting the legislation passed? Hmm. Well, from the beginning, we heard from naysayers. You'll never achieve this goal. The timing is wrong. You don't have the right team in place. And 
I never believed it, not for one minute. I knew we had the best team. We had bipartisan legislative sponsorship. We had passionate and committed advocates. And we had strong mentors and supporters. And also, as we were working to move this legislation forward in North Carolina, there was also landmark legislation to spur scientific discovery and biomedical innovation, which is called the 21st Century Cures Act, moving through the House of Representatives in D.C. We knew the timing for this legislation in North Carolina was absolutely right. So the North Carolina General Assembly listened. They embraced the issues and the opportunities for North Carolina to be strategic and leverage strengths that already exist in this state on behalf of rare disease patients. We filed the bill on April 14th, and it sailed through the House and the Senate in just over three months, passing unanimously at every stage. We never had a single member of our North Carolina General Assembly vote against the legislation at any point in time. And and I have to say, did did I believe it would move at such a lightning speed? Um, I admit, I'm still amazed when I think about what happened. But yes, I am a believer, and I am so proud of our state. Our governor signed the legislation into law on August 5th, and it was such a happy day, and and it was truly a milestone of hope um, that came true in a period of less than four months. Well, why, why do you think you were so successful? Again, I think I think it was timing that the, the time was right based on what's happening at the federal level. The fact that. Um, more and more responsibility for um, health care is being pushed down into the state. Um, I just think that a lot of things were coming together. The tide was turning towards um, looking at better ways to take care of our of, uh, for, for legislators to think about how they're going to care for their constituents. We always made the point there are a million people living in North Carolina with a rare disease. They are all your constituents. One of them is my daughter, Taylor. And they heard us. And I think they also realized that North Carolina has made a significant investment in the infrastructure that can support um, these innovations and new ideas on behalf of rare, disease, rare diseases. And, um, and it's time now to take that good base and build on it and move it forward. Let's bring in Tara Britt, Associate Director of the North Carolina Rare Disease Advisory Council. Tara, are you there? Yes, I am. Thanks for joining us. Thank you. The the law calls for the Advisory Council to be within the North Carolina School of University of North Carolina School of Medicine. What's the opportunity for the school? Actually, we look at it, we were fortunate enough that Dean Roper agreed to house this at UNC, and that's, you know, mainly due to the collaboration with, with Sharon and, and, and I on behalf of the school, you know, UNC School of Medicine and Healthcare. Actually, the opportunity, the greater opportunity, we look at it since this is so collaborative in nature, that the opportunity for us is to initiate, in which we are currently doing these, these collaborations with, with other academia, 
like including Duke with Pharma, with Sharon and her patient advocacy groups and various groups across the uh, across North Carolina. And our goal is to serve, first and foremost, is to serve the citizens of North Carolina. And we look at this by, you know, what, how do we do this? Well, we recommend changes to existing structures or policies within the state that can better serve North Carolinians and their family, the caregivers, the medical providers, the researchers, the therapeutics, any, any of this concerning rare disease. And that's what we feel really our primary opportunity is for this. Well, what's the makeup of the council and what exactly is the school's role? What are, what are its responsibilities? Okay, so the advisory council is made up of a physician licensed and practicing in the state with experience research, diagnosing, and treating rare disease. Uh, we also have a medical researcher with experience conducting research concerning rare disease. A registered nurse uh, practicing in the state with experience treating rare disease. We have a rare disease survivor. We have a member who represents a rare disease foundation and a representative from the academic research institutions initially from UNC and Duke that receives any grant funding for rare disease research. And eventually that will broaden across other inst academic uh, institutions in North Carolina. Also, the chairs of the Joint Legislative Oversight Committee on Health and Human Services or their designees shall serve on this. And the Secretary of Department of Health and Human Services or his designee will serve as an ex officio non-voting member of the Advisory Council. And, and what exactly will the school do? Uh, the school is, is spearheading this. The UNC School of Medicine Healthcare is spearheading this because it's housed here and because, uh, you know, the work uh, we've been doing with Sharon and her group, we are the ones that are coordinating it and spearheading it um, and working uh, with the collaborations of the others in, you know, North Carolina, like I said, pharma, academics. I guess we're the ones leading the effort, but it truly is a collaborative effort. We're just taking the lead on all the coordination of this effort. Well, you're at the Gene Therapy Center. How, how active is UNC in the area of rare disease research today? UNC is extremely active uh, in rare disease research, as is Duke. We are very well funded, heavily funded uh, across the School of Medicine uh, at UNC, as is Duke University. Well, among the selling points for the law is that it will accelerate the development of new therapeutics for rare diseases, make North Carolina a center for rare disease research and drug development, and lead to the creation of new jobs and economic growth. That's, that's a lot to put on the creation of a council. What's the case to make for it? Well, we, we, what we're looking to do is have a, a more structured mechanism for collaboration. Um, and it's necessary when you're de uh, dealing with these types of complex issues concerning rare disease. So like Sharon said, you know, we have over 7,000 rare diseases collectively and um, 1 million of North Carolinians are affected. I won't say affected. There's 1 million uh, rare disease patients in North Carolina. We don't say, we don't like to use the word patient when, when dealing with rare disease collectively because it affects people in general. It's the families, it's the, you know, your, your, your friends, uh, colleagues. Um, so the development of drugs and therapies is rapidly growing and we knew we needed a structure in order to deal with those issues. And in the past, all the various advantages were not in place. And right now we feel like we are perfectly positioned in North Carolina um, with the research universities we have, we're a large rural state with room for industrial growth. We have a strong biotech and therapeutic uh, 
uh, presence with our uh, with companies here. Um, and there's just we have a lot of elements that other states have, but we also have a lot that other states do not have. And we just feel like it's like a rallying cry that unites the people of North Carolina. And the key of this council is not to solve problems, it's to identify the priorities and who needs to be at the table in the discussions to address these problems and to eventually solve them. But that's, that's, that's where we see our role. Well, what, what's been the response from the broader healthcare community, such as patients and industry and the academic sector? Well, for the last three months, I've dedicated 100% of my effort to this and, and working with Sharon very closely. And I've been out to visit with various uh, CEOs and RTP of various pharma companies, working with the biotech industry. Um, I'm over at Duke University working with their folks quite a bit, as well as all of the uh, UNC folks who are totally dedicated to wanting to see changes and to promote this within North Carolina. And it has been over, you know, also with, uh, I wanted to say, like, even with, like, newborn screening and things of that nature, it has been overwhelmingly positive. I've honestly not had anyone with any reservations to this. Um, and everyone actually collectively that we've met with has just offered to help do whatever they can help do in every aspect of this to make sure this is a, a success. Well, I want to turn back to Sharon here. Sharon, are, are there lessons here for rare disease advocates in other states? Is this a model for similar legislation that can be passed elsewhere? And, and is there advice you'd offer to other advocates thinking about pursuing such legislation? Sure. You know, <clears throat> legislation such as this in North Carolina can bring people together in a truly powerful way. And I do believe it could be a model for other states. But as a starting point, my suggestion would be to, to look for assets and qualities that may be unique to your state and then use those to build your plan. And as far as lessons to share, I'd say, first and foremost, be strategic. I think it's important to have the right resources, to have the right motivations, and to realize that they have to be connected in a way where everyone involved can see value. That's that win-win. Next, uh, say build your team. Tara and I were fortunate to have champions that walked with us every step of the journey from idea to reality. They were there when we needed to navigate a few months on the road, and yes, there were a couple of bumps, um, and these champions were essential to our success. And I would say then probably the most important uh, lesson would be never forget, if you want to change the world, remember at all times why you're doing it. My daughter Taylor is just one of the reasons why. Sharon King, president of Taylor's Tale and Tara Britt, associate director of the North Carolina Rare Disease Advisory Council. Thank you both for your time today. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for listening. For more information about rare disease and to connect to the rare disease community, go to globalgenes.org. To keep up on the latest news and trends affecting the rare disease community, be sure to visit raredaily.org. You can subscribe to the Rarecast RSS feed through raredaily.org or through SoundCloud, iTunes, Stitcher, or your preferred podcast manager. The Rarecast is produced for Global Genes by the Levine Media Group. You can also find our podcast, The Bio Report, 
on these popular podcast sites. Our theme music is composed by Jonah Levine and performed by the Jonah Levine Collective. We'd love to hear from you. Drop us a note at danny at levinemediagroup.com.